0: Welcome to the Clubhouse with Mark Hayes and Julian Bayer.
1: Yeah, good everyone. It is the Clubhouse. Great to have your company right across Australia. Julian Bayard is my name in the studio. No Mark Allen this week. He finds himself in sunny Bali having a well-deserved week off. But from Golf Australia, Mark Hayes joins me in the studio. Hazy, it's great to have you in here. Thanks, Julian. It's second time you've been in this brand new studio. You've just dubbed it the Mark Hayes studio already. I think it's already. On, only fitting that I that, think that's, that's only it gets fair. Called, yeah. <laughs> How you going? You well? Very
2: well. I'm uh, very envious of our man, Mr. Allen, running around the beaches of Bali. I
1: reckon he's enjoying a well-deserved break. Some good courses over in Bali too. Hopefully he took the clubs over. Do you reckon he's got the the leaf pass to be able to play golf while he's
2: there? Probably not.
1: No, I wouldn't have thought so. Probably not. I'm sure he'll be sunning himself. He'll come back. I think he's there for three or four days. He'll come back with the best tan oh, yeah. you've ever seen. No, no man tans like Mark Allen. Unbelievable. Would you even know though if he had had a tan? No, probably it not. It's sort a year-round yeah. setup. Yeah, yeah. It's it's evergreen tan <laughs> if there's such a thing. <laughs> I love it. Oh, hey, we're in the midst of um, of golf month right now. It's one of the reasons why I thought get you in to have a chat um, as part of the clubhouse right around Australia. And I think it's a fantastic initiative as we build up to the summer of golf here in Australia and all about. Inviting Australians to get out on the golf course and reignite potentially a passion that they might have had, and if they haven't been on the course throughout winter or over the last couple of years, and we're hopefully going to see more people out on the golf course.
2: Yeah, we're focusing this year on having existing golfers bring in people who want to play golf who haven't been before or haven't been for a long time, because statistics show that people who actually uh, play golf are the most likely to recruit new golfers. So that's our focus. It's all about sharing the golf bug. Hence, and uh, we've got some great prizes and some great initiatives going on around the country. So. I encourage everyone to get onto the website, which is golfmonth.com.au yep. and find out more details because I'm not going to waste your time with it right here. But, uh, yeah, the, it's a fantastic website. There's so much going on. You can plug in your, uh, your postcode yes. and find out what's happening in your neck of the woods.
1: Very good. All I will say is Barn Bugle, Ocean Dunes, and Cape Wickham prizes. That oh, sort of stuff is what we're talking about.
2: Unbelievable. So, so if you can uh, write on that website in 150 words or less who you're going to share the mm-hmm. golf bug with this October, uh, you can win the prize. It's a trip for two. There's four lots of it. So four prizes, each for two people. Trip to play four courses, and those three you mentioned, plus Lost Farm, cur- uh, courtesy of Air Adventure Golf Tours and Golf yep. Australia. I mean, it's a genuinely great prize, and it's from anywhere in Australia, so no matter where you're listening to this, just get among it, and hopefully we can see you down at uh, in Northern Tasmania.
1: Yeah, that's it. Jump online, have a look. Now, I mean, this this whole golf month is so great because I am a, I'm a keen golfer. Listeners of this show will obviously know that, but I've got <laughs> to say probably the last four to six weeks when the weather's been a little bit poxy here in Melbourne, not quite up to it. I haven't been out on the course and that's just to do with finals with footy and work and things like that. But this time of year, the sun starts to come out. It's a little bit warmer. You've got the shorts on, maybe a polo, something like that. And it's the perfect time to get out there and have another hit and reignite it.
2: Yeah, it really is. You're never sure what day it's going to be. Generally around (laughs) September 20 in our southern states, you just get that one day and you just think, oh, I need to get the sticks out. And away it goes. And hopefully by now, this stage of October, uh, you know, everyone's dusted them off and had a crack. If not, get out there because it, it is—it's the perfect time of the year. It's not too hot up north. It is warming up down south, and you know, all the beautiful colours are mm. out around the courses, around around the place. So. Ripping time to get out there, feel the sort of breeze across your sort of chest. I don't, I don't want to see you naked playing golf. totally well, hopefully not.
1: No one wants to see that. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's not an impressive rig. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, but yes, like no, everyone out there, if you are going to have a go or if have been thinking about going and having a hit, jump online, have a look at the website, um, put your postcode in, and find out what your local course is doing.
2: Yeah. So what it is, it's not just golf courses either. Um, we're encouraging all facilities, you know and I mean mini golf, um, driving ranges. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a big a surge towards speed golf, foot
1: golf, all the yes. different variations. My local be- course does foot golf. It's yeah. great. Beacon Hills up there in Upper Beaconsfield, southeast of Melbourne. Excellent. Have a great foot golf course. It's good fun. Yeah, my, my fun. course set it up
2: the other day too, Kerr-Lewis. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's great to see people who don't, don't normally get out among golf clubs mm. and the golf fraternity getting out there and having a walk around what are generally pristine conditions. I mean, you don't do that in your everyday life. You, yep. you don't get out and walk around the greenery and feel that breeze. Uh, you know, rustle through your hair. I'll mm. go with the hair instead of chest this time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's just good fun. And, and, and it's, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be the staid boring old game that a lot of people are scared off by. And that's yeah. the big thing we're pushing because, you know, it can be funky. It can be three holes. You can, you know, you can play all different formats. You can play best ca- Tiger Woods could play your 89-year-old grandmother. It, yep. It's all possible in golf and that's what it's all about. That's exactly
1: right. Now, um, a story this week. I want to talk to you about the Australian Open. golf. Yeah. What about this? So you got an eight-year deal. <laughs> With Sydney, is that right? That's to right. To host the Australian Open, but two of those years weren't locked away to be in Sydney.
2: That's exactly right. They're, they're out years in the contract yeah. to, um, to escape years. Uh, so the tournament's actually been in New South Wales since 2006, mm. but the current eight-year deal started in 2016. So we're now approaching the second of eight tournaments in uh, in New South Wales, but the... I know it sounds weird, but there's actually a pretty good harmony these days between Visit Victoria <laughs> and Destination New South Wales. Is there Wales. really? I know that's really hard that's to not, comprehend. That's but not, That's not right. <laughs> nah, might, might have been a misprint maybe. But yeah, no, they've done really well in, yep. in, in order to grow the tournament, which is what it's all about from a heap of different perspectives. The people in New South Wales are generous enough to realise that, you know, if we can send it around the country occasionally, yep. even though they put a lot of time and money into growing the brand, that that will enhance the the reputation of the tournament. And in this instance, 2020 and 2022 have both been awarded to Melbourne. No courses determined as yet. But you'd imagine they'd be on the sand belt. Yep. And uh, that's going to generate more interest from uh, more people overseas uh, who want to come and play the famous sand belt courses. And it's the
1: win-win-win for the Emirates Australian Open. Absolutely. And if we can continue to get players of the likes of Jordan Speed to come down. Of course, Jason Day has been confirmed as coming back this year to play the first time for a couple of years, I yeah. think, for Jason. So it'll be good to have those two going head-to-head. And if... Jordan Spieth keeps winning and just keeps coming back to, you know, retain his title, he's going to be back down in Melbourne again, which would be great. Well, we had
2: Gary Player win seven of these things and <laughs> it seemed far-fetched, but the way Jordan Spieth's going, he'll have that knocked off by the time he's
1: 30. I think he might. I think yeah. he might. We're talking about the Melbourne courses. You'd think that Royal Melbourne, Kingston Heath, potentially Metropolitan Victoria – those sorts of courses would be be right up there, leading contention to, to grab this.
2: Yeah, and there's absolutely been nothing signed, and I'm sure there'll be more clubs than that show uh, show some form of interest. I'd say those four you mentioned are definitely the front runners. Yep, uh, have got two opportunities to to get the tournament. I would also say that perhaps a a, a lesser known club to people outside Victoria, which is um, Peninsula Kingswood. Oh yes. Marco's um, a big fan of that, a big fan. I've heard him talk about yes. <laughs> it. Uh, and, and Mike Clayton's been doing some outstanding redesign work down there, yes. and the, the surfaces are unbelievable. Whether they get everything right to host an Australian Open level event by 2020 or 2022, I'm not sure. But I know the club has designs on getting one of the big events down mm-hmm. there at some point soon. And so, I'm, look, different people will say that is on the sand belt, some will say it's not on the sand belt. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's a debate for another it day. Is. But, it is. you know, they're, they're another course that's potentially in, in the running, but yep. whether that's
1: this time around, I'm not sure. Would you go any further down the highway at
2: all? Oh, I'd love to go around the highway and get onto the other side of the bay and take it to my course at ker <laughs> but no. No, no. look, I think uh, I think that's basically the boundary. I wouldn't go yep. any further south, uh or you know, southeast, for those of you not in Victoria, the, um, of Peninsula. Yep. Um, The last time it was in anywhere other than New South Wales, the tournament was actually at Moona Links, Mm. And one of the big issues, aside from the weather we had down there at that time in 2005, was um, just transport, getting people down there and there wasn't great parking facilities, et cetera. So as much as those couple of courses down there at Moona are awesome. Yeah, fantastic
1: uh, courses, but probably not quite set up for tournament golf and a logistical point of view. Correct,
2: logistics. not the, The courses themselves, you know, mint, could sit in, any course, any mm. part in the world, and hosted tournament beautifully, but yeah, the logistics are a whole different concern. And the Australian Open has grown infinitely since then, like exponentially. I should say, like yep. it, it's a different beast now. The footprint. We're going to the Australian again this year, which is a very expansive course, mm-hmm. and we pretty much need that. It was it's bursting Royal Sydney last year at the Seams, uh, and that's a you know famous old course, one of the best finishing holes in world golf. The view up eighteen. Oh, extraordinary.
1: From, I still remember the the playoff hole with Spieth. Yeah. and you're watching him hit into that 18. The clubhouse in the background, the S- Sydney skyline. It's yeah. just like how good. Yeah, how good pure. is that shot? Uh, it's, it's,
2: it's sensational. As I said, one of the best in world golf. You yep. you, you can't sort of uh, fake that. It's mm. a you know, it's just natural atmosphere and a big amphitheater. It'll be fascinating to see what happens when they redesign that. Yes. Uh, at the moment, they're sort of going through a few different possibilities of redesign. I know there's. Bit of tumult going on at Royal Sydney, so uh yeah no it, it's um yeah, as we said, the tournament's growing, um you know the people who want to get involved at a corporate level, the junior clinics, all the sponsors um just the marquees around it is just yeah. phenomenal, so. It's huge. It's nowhere like a U.S. Open or anything like that, but we and we're we are we aren't very aware of that. But it is bigger than it ever was when Mooner in two thousand
1: and five. That's for sure. Yeah, and hopefully um, having it on these great courses and iconic courses in Australia, we'll be able to continue to attract these big names down. And if great Australian players like Jason Day and we know Adam Scott's been such a great supporter of local events, Mark Leishman, another one, if they can continue to come back and play in these tournaments, and you can get two, three, four big-name overseas guys down every time. If folks like Jordan Spieth continue to come back, it's going to be filling the papers. It's going to be creating attention. It's Correct. For golf.
2: Oh, and and we could fill three more clubhouse shows about yeah. um, you know player payments and, and the responsibilities versus the timing of things for Australian players to come back and play. But yep. I think the key to the tournament's immediate future is if we can, can keep getting the Leishman, Day, Scott types mm. to come back without demanding too much money. I mean, obviously they merit some yeah, form of 100%. remuneration, but uh, if we can keep that to a minimum, it allows us to put money money into either the the prize pool, which will naturally attract players or into another marquee player, which is what we need to generate global attention and, and boost up that sponsorship.
1: And of course uh, the clubhouse will be involved through our, uh, our head here of Croc Media, um, broadcasting the Australian Open again this year. For anyone heading along, get the earpiece in and uh, you can have a listen.
2: We can't wait. Australian Open Radio is absolutely phenomenal. We've yep. had a huge response. We started it. Um, I think this might be the fourth year from memory. Yep. Uh, it, it's a. It's growing. We get unbelievable feedback, Julian, from <laughs> all around the world. People yeah. in Finland just saying, oh, I can't believe Adam Scott missed that part or that's a break <laughs> that he should have known. It's, it's amazing yep. instant feedback all just around the... The wonders of the
1: AO radio and the web and all that sort of stuff that I don't understand. Yeah, so you can tune in through the website, or if you are on course, there's little earpieces you can put in your uh, your ear, and you can listen to exactly what's going on every other hole throughout uh, throughout the course. You can find out what's going on, where you might want to go and watch, or if someone's running hot, you can go yeah. and find them straight away. It's brilliant. I remember, would have been two or three years ago, I was uh, on holidays where Marco is right now in Bali, and I was listening to the. Closing holes on AO Radio, and it was brilliant. Did Absolutely in, brilliant. Did you
2: get in strife for doing that while you are away?
1: No, it was fine. The, my missus was um, <laughs> tanning, doing something I can't remember. <laughs> it was the middle of
2: the day. It was great. It, it's, it is a brilliant radio sport because yeah. uh, you know there's, there's so many sports you can go to and sit and watch and see everything happen, unfold in front of your eyes, tennis, footy, whatever football code you watch uh golf is just a different beast altogether so you, you know you can follow someone around and not have a clue that someone else is shooting a 62 you can sit in the grandstand and watch you know everyone come through once but you don't really get a gist of what's happening so yeah. the the earpiece allows you to experience everything that's going on around the australian in this instance and um yeah, as we say earpiece on the course through the app
1: online around the world awesome brilliant love it Stay tuned. We'll give you all the details of that. Uh, By the way, if you do want to podcast this show uh, each and every week, just search for the Clubhouse Golf Show on iTunes. It is up there each and every weekend. Got to get to a break. Want to talk to you next. Read an article of yours, a little bit of a solution to how to fix the President's Cup. Want to talk to you about that after this. Plus, Tiger Woods, he's back swinging the golf club. Do you see the vision of that during the week? I did. we will have some interesting things to say about that. Yes. <laughs> stick around. Plenty more Clubhouse still to come. Julian Bayard, Mark Hayes filling in for Mark Allen. Don't worry, though. We'll still get a Marco's Masterclass a little bit later on in the show, so stick around.
0: You're listening to The Clubhouse with Mark Hayes and Julian Bayard.
1: Yeah, welcome back. It is The Clubhouse right around Australia. My name's Julian Bayard. There's no Mark Allen this week. He's off sunning himself in Bali. He will be back next week, but in the studio from Golf Australia is Mark Hayes and... Hazy, uh, some videos online this week. I want to talk to you about um, Tiger Woods. He's back uh, swinging the club. Of course, we've read it was like there's an update what every week about how he's going. Oh, he's he's back putting. He's back chipping. Now he's back hitting three quarter wedges, and now he's back. And there's now videos of him hitting what were we were told full wedges. But you're not happy with his swing. You don't think it's good enough.
2: I, I it's so far from good enough. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, he's a self-promoting factory yeah. at the moment More than a golfer, clearly And yeah. and you know, clearly his back has has made that The way the world is turning right now I'm not sure why he's doing it mm. I, I, he, We've seen little lob wedges And he's saying, I can't hit more than 30 yards At the moment, the doctor won't let me The doctor still hasn't given him clearance But now he's out hitting these three-quarter shots That swing is bloody awful <laughs> It's like mine, it's <laughs> terrible There's it's no power, there's no fluid movement It will improve, clearly When yeah. he gets the all clear and can start ripping through it but it's so far removed from the world's best golfer, maybe the world's best ever golfer. Yeah, uh, it, it, I don't know what he's doing. He's not whatever it is, physically and mentally right
1: now. It's not graceful, is it? Yeah, no, it's not. What do you think of his swing? Well, the, the swing's not good. I completely agree with that. But I just there's part of me that wants to see him back to his like I, I'm the romantic, the romantic part of me wants to see him back out there competing at the Masters. Up against these new greats of the game, like Spieth, Thomas, Johnson, Day, all these guys. Fowler, I want to see him out there, up against these guys, back at his best. And I would love—I think it would be such a good story to see how he could come back, redesign his swing completely, come back, maybe go back to his original swing that he had all those that time ago. I don't think that's possible with his back, but just maybe go back towards something that that might be more basic, that might make him play smarter golf, because I think mentally he's as tough as anyone out on the golf course. That would be brilliant. Um, But, yeah, part of me wants to see him back out. I think it would be so good for golf. I reckon it would be brilliant. When when he first
2: came out and started winning tournaments, obviously 20 years ago now, it's unbelievable to say that, he he, uh, had a swing that was supple and lithe and was based on rhythm and, and flexibility. Now he's muscling the ball. Yeah. And there's two things wrong with that. A, it's not repeatable in the long in the long term. We can see that. It's mm. breaking his body down. His back, his knees, yep. nothing what, like what they were. Plus, and this is a bigger issue in case he ever does get back to the tournament, the big hitters are hitting it 30, 40, 50 yards past where oh. he ever hit it. Yeah, at his best. At his best. At his absolute best. Correct. I and mean, yep. that's a long time ago mm. now in mm. terms of his the physically... Aging fine. Do,
1: do you think that's to do as much with his swing and his style or to do with equipment and the type of ball we're using these days? Because if you look at the statistics of the longest drivers 15, 20 years ago, Mark and I did this on a segment a few months back. Mm. If you're looking at those statistics now, everyone's sort of 20, 30 yards ahead of where they were back then anyway.
2: That's not what the RNA and USGA tell us. Oh, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, look, there's no doubt that the world has has moved forward um, with the technology. There's, there's no yeah. doubt about that. And Tiger, had he been even in Phil Mickelson shape, which I can't believe I'm saying is a positive <laughs> thing, um, would still be able to probably get it out there towards the bigger yeah. end of the field. But he's not. No. And, and I remember listening to him speak. Uh, I want to tell you it was the 2011 Masters uh, at, at Augusta. And he's talking about having to reach down, to f- reach really right down into his bag of tricks to fly mm-hmm. at 330 yards. Now, everyone from Gary Woodlands up, yeah. Is hitting at 330 yards. There's a new kid coming out, Cameron Champ, an amateur player, flies it effortlessly, that's a hard word to say, 360 yards. I mean, it's a different game even to when Tiger came out. Yep. In my opinion, I've been saying this for a long time, in my opinion, he may someday, I wouldn't bet on it, get back to the US PGA Tour events and, and maybe even contend. Yep. His major winning days, when all those people you mentioned before are pressing hard and playing well, he, they're done. They're done,
1: yep. I agree. I think, yeah, if we can get him out just a couple of tournaments next year, maybe just two or three here and there, show some signs, build a, some build some hype. I think it would be good. I reckon it would be great.
2: There's an industry. Um, There was a whole heap of American journalists who's yeah. uh, traveling and writing schedules for the year. This is 10 years ago. It was based purely on Tiger. Yeah. So they basically awaited his playing schedule yep. to book their their work schedule for the year because mm. that's all the people were interested in. Thankfully, we're pushing through that now with these young guys you mentioned. I mean, yes, it would be a circus, and it would be great to see him back. I'm not I'm not saying it wouldn't, but yep. uh, I think the the industry needs to move further forward.
1: Hopefully, we see something like we saw. Was it in Barbados or the Caribbean or somewhere last year where he had I think one or two rounds where he might have had eight or nine under or something at one stage and. He was looking good, and then he was just cooked again. <laughs> straight after that, there's, I think he might have overdone it. Might a have overdone it. Glint in your eye every time you speak about Tiger. I love swing. him. I love him. I think he's great. Now I want to talk to you because we've seen the President's Cup two, two weeks ago. Now, um, not a great, not a great effort by the internationals. <laughs> it's, it's very polite, it's fair to say. Fair to say that you, are uh, the US, dominated. I actually, one of my best mates went over and watched it. Just was on an american holiday and was there and was supporting the internationals said it was one of the best spectacles he's seen from a golf purist point of view the course over there and just the the backdrop with the statue of liberty and of course manhattan in the background yeah. and the world trade center one tower up there on the behind the clubhouse. it's just he said it was sensational and the the american crowds were fairly rowdy it's fair to say um we might talk about that a little bit later on yeah <laughs> but um he said it was great but the contest itself, he said, there was just no passion from the internationals, and you could just tell, unfortunately, that without anyone, without a country really to to be going like for, you were barricading for a conglomerate of all different nations. And whereas the Americans had genuine passion about winning the thing.
2: Did he and did he sense that there was no passion before the race was run and won? Like- oh, I
1: think he, yeah. He said going into it there was a bit of you know made up stuff going in. You could see they okay. were trying to get passionate, and okay. the the international players were trying to make it into something, but. You, you could just sell it sense that deep down there wasn't really anything going on well i'm I'm a
2: madly passionate president's Cup advocate And yep. I've been a supporter of it for years uh, I would love nothing more than to see it succeed so I need to put that on the mm-hmm. table and I made excuses why the presidents why the international team could win yep. I, I actually thought for the first time ever, We were packing three or four guys at the bottom end of our order who had the capacity to shoot a 59. We saw Adam Hadwin do that this year. He only has to string together five or six good holes in match play, and he might carry the day for us. Uh, Johnny Vegas ended up playing pretty well, Mm -hmm. but largely speaking, we got smoked at the bottom of the order. Adam Scott and Hideki Matsuyama played awfully. And the result, we all know, was a complete debacle. Yep. Nothing short of a debacle. That's right. And I think why you're bringing this up is because I wrote the story about the future of the President's Cup, and I don't think it's going to change for Royal Melbourne in 2019. Mm. But I think clearly there's uh, a way forward that not only would benefit the President's Cup, but actually would improve the image of golf all around the world uh, in everyone's eyes, particularly women. Yep. Such a critical part of the game's future that we engage as many women as we can. Mm. We watched the Solheim Cup a couple of months ago. Europe, USA, the best in the world. Well, there's 12 of those 15 best of the world probably sitting on their bum watching yep. the Solheim Cup because they're right. all they're all Asian, they're yeah, Australian. We went, they're Kiwis. we went through the
1: top 20 last week. Yeah, the numbers are amazing. It's extraordinary. The side. Yeah. And and they're sitting
2: idle in yeah. the, in supposedly the showpiece team event of women's golf. Meanwhile, the men's team is getting its butt handed to yeah. us by the Americans repeatedly. We haven't got their depth. We never will have their depth. Yeah. It's a statement of fact. And perfectly what you said before about the. lack of spirit or a flag or an anthem whatever it is that binds us together we just haven't got it Mm -hmm. so how about we combine the two and solve the two issues at once and maybe we play eight men eight women we have a separate men's foursome and four ball we have a mixed foursomes and mixed four ball and then we have singles on the final day the only logistical issues is setting up the course with pins that are aggressive enough for the men and playable enough for the women Mm but if we set it up so that men tee up on the odd holes and women tee up on the on the even number holes and we set the pins accordingly i think it's definitely possible it, I, I can't see what wouldn't couldn't happen yeah um and it, it, we are one bad loss at royal melbourne from this thing croak like creaking and yeah, groaning, groaning to a halt it's going to go it'd be a terrible go. terrible shame yeah and i think you know The biggest thing about this is it not only would keep the President's Cup going, that's neither here nor there, although the US tour would argue because it's a huge money spin for them. (laughs) But it would actually enable golf to have not the secondary Ryder Cup. It would actually have its own event. It would be the, the President's Cup is the event that put women's golf on an equal footing with men's golf. I, I don't even know what could be better for world, world sport than that.
1: All right. We're going to get to a break. Hazy, when we come back, we're going to hear um, from Marco. He's got a masterclass. Plenty still to come. Thank you for stopping by, though. We really appreciate that and talking about Golf Month and what's going on in the world of golf around Australia.
2: Anytime, mate. And I hope Marco comes back, uh, well, <laughs> not too dark. For
1: sure. <laughs> come on, Marco. Give us a spell. I'm sure he's listening on the podcast on the plane home. <laughs> Thanks, Hazy. Appreciate your time. Stick around. Plenty more Clubhouse still to come.
0: You're listening to The Clubhouse with Mark Allen and Julian Bayard.
1: Yeah, Welcome back. It is The Clubhouse right across Australia. Julian Bayard and Mark Allen with you talking all things golf. Mark Allen, as you would have heard already, is overseas right now. He's sunning himself in Bali. He'll be back next week. Thanks for Mark Hayes for stopping by a little bit earlier on in the show as well and talking all things golf from Golf Australia's point of view. But... Thought we might just take a listen back because one of the most popular segments Marco's done over the course of the season was his top five meltdowns in the history of golf. It came on the back of Jason Day's shocking, shocking finish in a tournament earlier on in the season. And Marco, as he will explain right here, highlighted what he thought were the worst five meltdowns in the history of golf. Marco, we were watching the golf and... uh, PGA Championship, and what I like to think is that it makes us all feel better about our
0: own games when, when this Jason sort of stuff Day happens. did the stupidest thing I've ever seen on a golf course. Yes, virtually the stupidest thing I've ever seen. You know, when when you are trying to hit a hook like that, you need a follow through. So let's He, he didn't have a follow-through.
1: Let's explain from the start what had happened, Marco. So, well, Jason Day had a horrible back nine. He'd had a double bogey and a bogey, and then he'd had three straight birdies yeah. to get himself back into contention. Yeah, that's right. He was playing okay. He's playing
0: with a bloke who he thought, if he made birdie, he was going to be three shots back going the last day. What's he? Kisner? Yeah, playing with Kisner. Thought if he made a birdie, then... But it's on Saturday, in the 18th hole, and you have just made the three birdies to get back in. So... I kind of get it if it's Sunday and you need to make a birdie yeah. and you just don't care about finishing second and you hit a miracle shot. I get that. No worries. But it wasn't. It was the third round. It wasn't Sunday. It was the third round. And when you are trying to do something sevy like the one thing you've got to remember is, okay, if this shot doesn't work, where is my ball most likely going to be? It ended up there were bushes up there, which is yes. probably the most likely spot. <laughs> if you hit a tree that was in front of him, ricochets and probably goes to the right, and then you're in more bushes. It was stupid. It was dumb and stupid and ridiculous that his caddy let him do it. His caddy should have walked off. Said, you if you, you sh- hit this shot, you're carrying your own bags up the hill. Do you think oh, a- I'm not going to be part of it. I've got to the
1: point where that's the end of
0: the relationship if you...
1: If he yeah. actually played that shot, I reckon it. it oh. He should. He should be sacked for letting him play that shot. In well, my the, opinion,
0: there was no way he could have got it on the green. So even if it comes off perfectly, then he still has to get the ball up and down for his four. So if he just tips it out and he's got a nine nine, he, he's just almost as likely. You know, a nine nine. If Jason he has got a nine nine, pins in the same sort of spot, he probably, you know, he probably gets up and down one out of eight times. One yeah. out of eight. But to hit the shot perfectly and then try and get it up and down for the four was a 1 in a 100. Yep. The odds just didn't make sense. Nick Feldo came out, criticized him, and Jason Day said, that's why great players are great because they go for those shots. Well, that's rubbish. That is rubbish. Yeah. That shot was impossible. It was silly. It was juvenile. And it cost him, you know, he's more likely to shoot 64 the next day yeah. and rip past everybody on the leaderboard. He's more likely to do that than making that shot work. And, you know, Cole Swatton, who's been there for a long time, should have taken control. Should have said, listen, you go for the shot and it doesn't come off, you're carrying your own bag up the hill. I'm walking off. I'm not part of this. It's stupid. Yeah. Has that ever happened? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> and you look That's That's probably imagine, a lot of Can you mood. imagine that? That's probably a lot of hot the, air What I just said Is probably a lot of hot imagine air imagine right? the Saturday <laughs> It probably Jason is Jason Day's
1: going up 18 But he should have threatened Former it anyway world number one He played a ridiculous He shop. should
0: have threatened it anyway Imagine
1: he pulled it off And then Swatton's walked off And Jason Day's walking up 18 Yeah awesome. back. It'd be awesome. Look, yeah, it never happened. I
0: take everything I said back, but he should have threatened him with it yep. and then carried the bag up anyway and just said, "You deal. what are you doing? Don't yep. do it ever again. All right, so what we thought was this was one of the great meltdowns we've seen. Yeah, it was. That was a meltdown. Mm. So there is... Now, when we're looking up meltdowns in the break, yes. and I'd already done my list, Yes, a lot of meltdowns are associated with choking. I see. So, for instance, Adam Scott, four shots up with four holes to play. Uh, John Vandervelde, three shots up with one hole to play yeah. both losing the tournament mm-hmm. they are technically meltdowns but for the what we are doing for the sake th- this, of this exercise list, you're calling them a choke they're chokes right and because of that we'll do the top five choke chokes next week next <laughs> week alright these us another list. these are mental meltdowns right mental meltdowns yes. so on number five on this list is Jason Day mm-hmm. stupid the stupidest shot I've ever seen in, in a major okay Tick, well done, Jason. You're on the list at number four. Right. Remember when Sergio fell out of love with golf? Yes. He was at the PGA Whistling Straits. It was either the third or the fourth round, but there was clearly a snake in that 18th green, greenside bunker, because he tried to kill this snake for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he lost he the get it. He couldn't get it. He got a quick snake. <laughs> He nimble, had real nimble, 15 right? or 16 yeah. whacks into the face of the bunker at Whistling Straight. So yeah. that is number four. <laughs> number three in the great meltdowns. We saw it a couple of years ago on the first at Augusta. Oh. Or was it last year? No,
1: nah, it was a couple of years ago. A couple
0: ago. of years yeah. ago. Ernie Els, eight is. putting the first uh. <laughs> at Augusta. That is a clear meltdown. Yeah. Eight butts. <laughs> Now, one player gets in at number one and two. What? One player. Go on, I'll give you one guess. Oh, really? (laughs) I'll give you one guess who it is. (laughs) J.D., John Daly. Yep. Now, this one, I think it was a Canadian Open. Mm Mm-hmm. And remember, he had the shakes. Yeah. And it was a really hot day, and David Frost, a South African player, was playing with him, had to come over, and he had the shakes, and he couldn't hold it. walk, That was a meltdown. Mm. That was a... I don't know. That was a I'm really sick meltdown. I shouldn't be eating a block of chocolate and a steak for breakfast and flushing it down with a few beers at 9 a.m. type meltdown. <laughs> John Daly at number two, the at Canadian Open. Yep. And again, John Daly oh, at number one. The U.S. Open at Pinehurst yes. where he just gave up. He... Try to chip it up a hill and remember, you know, the, they they're the boom. upside down <laughs> saucepans. The ball starts rolling back. It's going to roll back 40 feet. He couldn't care less. He walks up <laughs> and just whacks the ball while it's in motion. John Daly, the meltdown king. There's another meltdown. He he played in the it, was the, it must have been the US, the Australian PGA at Coulomb. This is before. Uh, the dinosaurs were put on yeah. the Coulomb layout. <laughs> uh, the dinosaurs that breathed smoke yes. and roared as you walked past them. What was it Clive Palmer? Yep. Remember he, a long time ago he threw a putter <laughs> on the last hole, got to the last and threw his putter into the water there on the last of Coulomb. Yeah. Someone jumped Someone in jumped and got in. it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think the putter is still up in the is spike it? bar. At the Coolum Spike Bar, there is yeah. A bar there
1: anymore, I think to be uh, with I it.
0: think they paid for it to get it back. So there was another meltdown, another John Daly meltdown. Was at the lakes one year when he hit, he emptied his bag of balls, hitting just one That's ball right. after another into Straight the lake, into the water. I
1: remember that. I remember, that. and he yeah. just went, "Oh,
0: I've run out of balls. Yeah. I'm off." <laughs> another one, and then remember he attacked a, a photographer, though his girlfriend attacked a photographer <laughs> when they were walking back to the clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh JD, uh, photographer. He's, he's John Daly. He's got no more golf balls left in his golf bag. He's just hit them all. I think it's in the, about the fourteenth hole at the lakes. Yep. So he walks off because he's got no more golf balls left. His girlfriend's following him. The photographer comes up and starts taking photos of John Daly, and his girlfriend attacked the photographer. Bang! Fantastic stuff.
1: Oh. So there might have to be a top ten JD moments well,
0: the list. Oh, well, well, that could be. Well, he he would have. If we had a top 10 list for Meltdowns, he would have featured five or six times. What a man. What a man. What a lunatic. I love him. What a lunatic. I love him. Anyway.
1: Very good. Hey, good list, Marco. No worries. Plenty of fun there from Mark Allen. We've got to get to a break. Stick around. Marco's Masterclass is next. This is The Clubhouse.
0: You're listening to The Clubhouse with Mark Allen and Julian Bayard.
1: Yes, it is Marco's Masterclass. That time of the show where you get a free golf lesson from Mark Allen. We do it all for Club Mandalay Golf Course. Play golf at Club Mandalay. It's great golf in Melbourne's north. Visit clubmandalay.com.au. Play golf. Play Club Mandalay. And earlier on this year, Marco Grave, one of the best tips I think I've ever heard, how to swing like Ernie Els.
0: Take it away, Marco. Ernie Els, two-time US Open champ, two-time British Open champ Mm. as well. One time he beat Adam Scott when Adam Scott was four shots up with four holes to play. That's right. And it was kind of given the claret jug. And Another one, time, he yeah. was in a playoff with three others. One yeah. Frenchman and two Aussies. Steve Elkington mm-hmm. and Stuart Appleby. So he's, there's been Australian involvement in both his open triumphs. Yep. So on the back of Ernie Els... He
1: also five-putted the first hole at Augusta. Once. Yeah,
0: that's true. <laughs> on the back of Ernie Els, who's not the worst bloke I've ever met in golf. In Ooh. fact, he's probably one of the best. Yep. Likeable. In fact... Without question, is the most likable South African person, yep, in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is anyone else as likable uh, from South Africa as Ernie Els.
1: Yeah.
0: Trying to think of the sport, a sportsman. No, nah, he's yeah. number one, mate. yeah sure he's I mean. number one on the back of Ernie Els. And, and when you watch Ernie Els play golf, one, he looks like a centre half forward, like he's massive. Yeah, he's a big man. Uh, when I, when he first came out, he was six foot three. Now he's six foot five. He kept on growing, but he had the most rhythmical, beautiful golf swing that I reckon we've all seen. Mm. Him and probably Fred Couples and not many others just were just it was just glorious yeah. to watch the way he played. And he had a really simple way of, of keeping his rhythm. Um, early in his career, when he was a kid, it was just one, he used to count on the practice range, out loud, one, to get the club started, two, when he got to the top, and three, when he hit the ball. And you say it out loud. And if you can't say it, you're swinging too hard. Mm-hmm. But then you know what happened? David Ledbetter, who coincidentally is the PGA of America Teacher of the Year this year, he changed the one, two, three to Ernie Ls. <laughs> so it's like two syllables. So he got rid of Ernie L. So it's yep. one, two, three. And there is nothing funnier than actually standing close to Ernie oh, no. and hearing he him actually say, say he do- Ernie Els, he when he's warming up,
1: There's no way. nothing funnier in that, golf. You're
0: making that up. You, you only, to be making that up. He goes back to one, <laughs> two, threes. He goes back to one, two, threes. <laughs> but if you are having trouble with your rhythm or if you're having trouble um, with your arms falling behind your body, which a lot of people do. If you're having trouble uh, trying to get a little pause at the top, a little baby pause at the yeah, top. The Matsuyama's. The one, two, three, or the Ernie L's. <laughs> works a treat. <laughs> if, we, if It I works play, a treat.
1: If I go to the practice range on Tuesday, Marco, mm-hmm. and there are people yelling out, Ernie L's nah. all day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what would be disturbing is if you go down there and it's, Julian <laughs> Bayard. <Yeah. laughs> that would be disturbing. Julius.
1: The five syllables is making <laughs> my swing really
0: slow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's a good one. The next, Try it. If, you, if, you, if you're playing this morning yes. and you're going to hit a few balls to warm up, either in the net or you know, if you're lucky enough to have a nice big driving range and a, mm. and a bucket of balls, just try it on the wedges. Yep. Just say just say it really quietly so no one else can hear. Otherwise, i will think you're an idiot. Yes, Ernie Owls. Yep. Ernie Owls. It works a treat. Yep. You'll find you'll go back slow. You'll find you'll pause at the top, mm-hmm. and there won't be a mad rush of the ball on the way down.
1: I find the um, watching golfers, Marco, no better people in golf have a better rhythm than the women. Oh, yeah, the that's rhythm, fantastic. Like, you sit there and watch women's golf, mm. and the swing is just so easy, yep. so fluid, yep. and they just absolutely flush it every mm. single time. And you go, how on earth are they making it look that easy?
0: Yeah, well, look. You know, golf. When you pick up a golf club and you swing it over and over and over, it's actually a pretty heavy thing. Yeah, I mean, I would rather be hit by a cricket bat than a golf club, personally. Mm. that That's me. I mean, it's pretty heavy. Yep. And that iron bit on the end, I mean, that can generate some, some real power. So you actually, because men are physically strong and can control the club, mm-hmm. um, they take advantage of it way too much. Yeah. And they just hack away at the ball. Where the ladies, generally speaking, aren't nearly as strong. And they are forced to. The swing with so a great rhythm. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's why it happens. That's why kids, I mean, if you got, if you got kids and, you know, they're uh, showing any sporting, even if they're not, when they pick up a golf club, kids, because they're so heavy golf clubs, even the kids' ones that are really light, you know, they get to the top and the club actually lags by itself. Yeah. And that's why they pick it up so quick because because the club's so heavy, the club itself swings into the right positions. Yeah. And they don't have much control. And, you know, if they start playing a lot of golf, then by the time they're 25, that's the only way they know how to play.
1: Just makes it perfect for them.
0: Yeah, that's why it, golf is one of those games. If you give a k- kid a chance early, just get him to hold the club right, the club's weight itself will turn that kid into a good player. Yep. Alright. Good on you, Jules. Good tip, Marco. I like it. Good Bit tip. of rhythm. Bit of rhythm. Remember, Ernie Els, not Julian Ells. Bayard. Els. Ernie
1: There it is, Marco's Masterclass for this week, all for Club Mandalay Golf Course. And you can play golf, play Club Mandalay, book online at clubmandalay.com.au and you can get a motorized cart with a drink, only $79 uh, for two people at clubmandalay.com.au. Stick around. Marco, next week, he'll be back. We'll see you then right here on The Clubhouse.